0: Welcome to the weekend, and welcome to episode 188 of the Inside the FLX podcast. This hour, we're going behind the scenes, previewing an event coming up in Monroe County, which stands as a great opportunity for the Finger Lakes as a whole. Women rising, resilience, resistance, and radical connection. take place at the Woodcliffe Hotel and Spa in Fairport on Friday, November 1st. As the name implies, it's a day-long opportunity to foster dialogue, build skills, and build strategy that will help grow women's leadership locally. In studio with me today to discuss it, Kristen Fragnoli. She's a certified professional coach with 30 years of experience in higher education as a professor and administrator. She supports others through her business, Quest, Potential Leadership Coaching. Uh, Before we get to that conversation, though, I'd like to thank today's show sponsor, Desanto Propane. Don't go with a company that pretends to be locally owned with a name that sounds familiar. Go with the team that is locally owned and operated and has been serving upstate New York since 1937. Over the last 80 years, DeSanto has developed a reputation for reliability and dependability that sets them apart from the competition. Quick turnaround times, on-time deliveries, and a fourth-generation family-owned business. To learn more, call 800-752-4574. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So
0: this. Um, first things first, let's talk about Quest Potential Leadership Coaching. That, that is Great. what you are personally involved with. Um, so before we talk about the event, obviously, that we highlighted off the top, uh, let's dive into that and get a little picture of what, uh, what that's like.
1: Sure, that's that's great. Uh, so Quest Potential Leadership Coaching is my own business. Uh, so I'm currently working as a consultant and executive coach doing leadership development, training, uh, one-on-one coaching. And that grew out of, um, I started about two years ago, and that grew out of the career that I had in higher education. So I was in higher ed for almost 30 years as a professor of communication and then in uh, some senior leadership roles and then made the shift to working independently as a as a coach and leadership development consultant.
0: I can't help but ask and I, I know we didn't really plan on talking about this part of it, but how did how does that transition happen? And, and walk me through that part of it which yeah, got me into this. Yeah.
1: That's um, it's such a great question in some ways i actually feel like i've returned to my roots because when i was teaching i was a professor of communication so most of my work was around uh, interpersonal communication conflict resolution and mediation cross-cultural communication those kinds of of topics that were very kind of skill oriented and behaviorally based and then i moved into leadership at the college and did some uh, both serving as a leader and also uh, training others in leadership. So when I got to the point where I felt ready to kind of do something new and exciting, uh, it seemed like the perfect opportunity to bring all that experience uh, forward and just start working with people on a more individual basis to really help them hone their leadership. Um, It's definitely been a journey for me because after 30 years in a particular career to make that leap to working independently has been uh, my own little adventure. I'm still kind of growing into it, but it's been really fun and exciting challenge. Um, And yeah, I have both the privilege of figuring out what I have to do every day and the challenge of figuring out what I have to do every day.
0: So obviously, I bet you've been putting a lot of energy into uh, the event coming up November 1. Yes. Um, obviously, a big deal, kind of a unique event, or so it seems like it's unique in that I, I can't really recall seeing too many similar to this um, uh, come up recently in the last uh, several months a year. Um, walk us through what this event is sure and what folks who, who show up can actually uh, expect
1: yeah that's great thanks so as I've been working in this new role doing executive coaching one of the areas that I was really interested in was kind of investing more and in expanding more of my community oriented work um, and so The first step really was that I launched this kind of group called FLX Women, Finger Lakes Women, to really just try to find ways to bring women in the region together and start talking about leadership, start talking about what are our passion projects, what are the things that we're trying to do in our communities, etc. And from that really just grew this idea that wouldn't it be amazing to just bring together a whole room full of Finger Lakes women, although there will be more than women there, the conference is open to all, um, but to get people in a room together and really start talking about what leadership looks like for us and what do we need uh, from each other to bring our leadership to the community. Uh, and how can we start thinking about leadership in maybe what I would think of as an expanded way? Um, so that was really where the, the idea, the kind of seed of bringing a conference together came. Um, and we're, we are really trying to take a, a unique approach. So we're really looking at leadership in a very holistic way. So um, in my own business, I use the phrase all the time that you're the leader of your life. So regardless of whether you hold any formal leadership positions, you're the leader of your own life. And, and what do you want that to look like and how do you want to use your time and energy? And so this conference will combine some um, discussions and talks that are what you think of as more traditional leadership topics but then also looking at things that are about how do we tap into our own power, how do we figure out what we really are passionate about, and then try to do something with that, how do we want to live our lives um and so it's really about leading yourself as a person and when you learn to do that then you are much more suited to lead others Um, you become the kind of person that others want to follow and get engaged with so um, it is kind of a a side entry to the topic of leadership um, a much less traditional corporate kind of way of thinking about leadership it's very personal
0: how do the in your experience how do those Conversations typically start, or, or how do you start to have that conversation about um, personal leadership, mm-hmm. sort of bl- and growing that into um, other forms of leadership in other areas of life?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. I think, um, based on my experience as a teacher for all of those years and in the leadership roles that I have held, both formal and informal, um, for me, leadership always starts with self awareness. And with reflection and really kind of figuring yourself out first. Um, I think that it can be really challenging to lead others or to do that well if you haven't sorted yourself yet. Um, So really, um, and and while that sounds so obvious, um, a lot of us go through our lives and our work without necessarily spending a lot of time reflecting purposefully on what are my values? What are my gifts? What's important to me? Where are places where I want to grow? Um, Why, who am I? And why am I the way I am? And those are the places that when we tap that, I feel like then we can really just release whatever our own unique energy is. Um, And that's when we all of a sudden, find work that we don't mind doing
0: mm-hmm. for
1: hours and hours on end. You know, we get, can get into a flow of what the kinds of projects that we bring ourselves to. And others can see that authentic energy. And I think that's when things start to happen.
0: So uh, obviously, with, with the focus of this particular conference being uh, Women in Leadership, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really broad. And it's one of those things that, that is baked in a lot of systemic issues. Yes. Um, so I guess I, I want to start at the beginning, kind of work our way through a, a, some of those systemic issues and challenges that have kind of gotten us to where we are now. Absolutely. Um, but to start it off, I do want to, to pose this to you. Where does it start in terms of uh, getting folks to be able to wrap their, their minds around what the parts are, the moving parts are here, and and how to just start the conversation, not just on a personal level, but sort of on a systemic level, so that progress can be made and a more conducive atmosphere can be experienced across the board, whether you're in in an urban setting, the business setting, or in a rural community uh, here in the Finger Lakes.
1: Right. Um, So I think for me, um, that's a big question. But where I would say I would start is really kind of opening up the conversation with an acknowledgement that leadership takes many forms. And that um, we have not, in my opinion, tapped into all of the voices and all of the lived experience that we can in order to really bring diverse perspectives to solving the kinds of problems that we have. So, you know, kind of, in terms of of social pressures and society, I think most people have an understanding that um, we've had a very kind of male-oriented, male-dominated power structure. Um, And that in itself isn't necessarily bad, those ways of leading can be very effective, Um, but there are other ways to lead there are other ways to see the world there are other ways to uh, move efforts forward and I think that the start of this conversation is let's talk about what those ways might be and let's get a more diverse group of perspectives around the table um, so that we can all bring our gifts to solve whatever the problem is or to move something forward so to me that's the first reset is just understanding that maybe we haven't even fully defined what good leadership is because we we need to talk about new and expansive ways of leading people.
0: And when you say that and we start to dive into that and dissect that a little more, um, what are some of the, the ways of leadership or the types of leadership that maybe um, haven't been brought to the table as frequently as they mm-hmm. should have been to really um, make leadership better overall, not just in in terms of gender roles one way or another, but to really diversify and to make it better, period.
1: Right. I think one of the ways is, uh, is using a phrase kind of of power with instead of power over. So um, the idea of looking at leadership in a very collaborative and cooperative way, where it's um, you know you hear in the corporate parlance you hear things like flat organizations or um, non hierarchical and 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 I believe that I agree that that there's opportunity for more people to bring um, and I think also just recognizing that the whatever the dominant way of thinking is um, has value but can be really informed by people who are seeing it differently whether that be because it's a gender difference whether it be a cultural difference whether it just be your lived experience that has been different and so opening to all of those perspectives to make sure that we're really looking at uh, an issue or, or a problem to be solved, or a project to be created from multiple perspectives, um, we can have a more fully formed idea when we do that.
0: And when you look at sort of the opportunities, obviously, um, we're in the digital age. Absolutely. It's it's certainly not hard to get a message out there. It's certainly not hard to get different and new ideas out there. Um, But getting them to stick is obviously a little bit of a Mm -hmm. challenge. And it, it kind of sounds like you're talking a little bit about the whole um, issue around groupthink in general, mm-hmm. um, what role does that, if any, play in the problem that we see with sort of the, the split line in, in gender roles and in business and in leadership and that sort of thing?
1: What role does like a groupthink group kind think of? The groupthink
0: in general, what role does that have in terms of preventing some folks who maybe just um, would really like to see more diverse voices at the table and see more yeah. discussion on different things not even get to a point where they can say I like that bring that in just because of the the groupthink atmosphere that in a lot of cases does um, Exist in business and corporate and even in, in sort of educational and a lot of other environments. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, I, I think the the word that comes to mind when I when I hear that question is that it really takes a lot of courage it takes courage both from the individual who is trying to raise a perspective or or an idea or a thought that is different than kind of the the group thinking at that time it also takes a lot of courage from those maybe who are already in power to step away from a standard practice of working Um, so we are comfortable with what we know and when we reach out to try to do something differently that can be we're unsure that can be scary Um, so so really I think good leadership does take courage and it takes an opening a vulnerability to say let me hear something that might at first blush feel really off the wall or really out of the ordinary Um, But let me let me kind of open myself to hearing that or to inviting those perspectives so that we can really think through something deeply.
0: And under those circumstances, how can if there's someone who's listening or or watching or thinking to themselves, I'm in this leadership role and I would like to do better and I would Mm -hmm. like to try and sort of help where I can. Um, how do they sort of, if they're in one of those traditional environments, one of those environments that doesn't incorporate a lot of diverse voices, mm-hmm. how do you sort of get the ball rolling or, or at least start to try and create a space where um, different folks can have different views and bring different things to the table?
1: Yeah, I, um, that's such a great question. I think there's a couple rel- sound relatively simple but are, are challenging to practice. Uh, one is actually training yourself to be a true deep listener to others to really open up to hear what other people are trying to say to you and listen to that Um, the other really is very simply look around the decision making tables look around your work team look around the people that you spend time with and ask yourself if you really are already exposed to diverse perspectives and diverse experiences Because if you're not, um, then you are going to continue to get more of the same perspective. So you can cultivate, and, and it's actually one of the things I talk with people about in terms of coaching, is we talk about building kind of a super network. And that is, you have your natural network of people that... Are created through your work, through your family, through your community, but sometimes the nature of that work, family, or community means that you're still not in a very diverse group of people. And so it's your responsibility as a leader to figure out how to open yourself to experiences and relationships that broaden your perspective. And sometimes that means you have to go out and actively pursue new ways of seeing and thinking and, and we're enriched by it when we do it um but it doesn't always necessarily happen naturally particularly in smaller communities like we live in in the finger lakes Um, You don't have as many naturally occurring opportunities to have experiences that are different than what you have been accustomed to. So I think it's a challenge for every leader to really say, how do I stretch myself? How do I learn about parts of the world and people and ideas and perspectives that I haven't heard before? And how can I be informed by that?
0: And I'm glad you you mentioned that and, and you went there with that part of uh, the response because I, I think that's one of the thing one of the common threads on this program is that we regularly have conversations about how do you bring that into small rural communities yeah. that are shrinking that have mm-hmm. younger populations sort of drifting away and going elsewhere um, how how do some of these smaller communities capture that Beyond an event like the one coming up November first, but right. just to sort of replicate and start to see happen over and over again, where these different and, and new voices and new ideas are being brought to all tables, not just uh, a select few here and there, where where it seems um, palatable for some people.
1: Right, right. Um, well, I think we can we can do that by making the a conscious choice to. Uh, to put effort into that and if if it's on an individual basis you can literally decide to you know read books by authors from different backgrounds you know take in art and experiences that are created by people from other cultures you know just seek that out we can get all of those things in our small town you can Small towns still have Amazon or other or other places to, to, to look for those kinds of resources. Um, as a community, I think that that's really one of the places where our leaders could maybe, at the table at this conference, have a conversation, or after the conference, have the conversation of, OK, we, are, we really do want to be committed to kind of a broader perspective about leadership and, and who's informing our decisions. So what specific actions can we take to get more of those perspectives around the table? And I imagine that there's all sorts of creative ways to do that. The first might be simply really reaching out and, and inviting people to, be, to connect with you. Mm -hmm. So one of the themes of the conference, so there's three themes of the conference, resilience, resistance, and the third is radical connection. And I think this part that we've started talking about is really about that idea of radical connection. And the concept behind that is really that um, we do have the opportunity to connect across difference to open ourselves up to be vulnerable enough to really talk about what's important to us hear what's important to other people and just uh, and i call it radical because you have to make a conscious effort to do it 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 doesn't necessarily happen um, naturally so seeking that radical connection is the first step where you start to really look at other people and we see each other's humanity, we hear each other's stories. Um, One of the things I was always so impressed with over my career in education would be meeting students and talking to them and hearing about their stories. Uh, And I taught in some urban settings that were very diverse and then in some uh, rural settings that were not as diverse. But regardless of those two contexts, when I really sat and listened to the backstories of my students and my colleagues people are amazing i mean there's so many things that we can learn from each other Um, and even if we do have similar backgrounds on the surface our lived experiences are so rich that we can connect to each other in a more powerful way and i think once you do that then you can really kind of bond with people and trust to make change together so it's kind of a very, it's a very humanistic kind of way of thinking about connecting with each other and, and trying to carry each other along together.
0: And I wanted, since we, we started talking about the name of the event, obviously, um, those three words seem to be, or the three, uh, three two words and one phrase, right. um, appear to be intentional. Walk us through what yes. those are. Obviously you talked a little bit about the, the last one, but the resilience. Uh, and the resistance walk us through what what those two and why they're there in the context of the conference
1: yeah that's that's really important because I feel like that's what will summarize kind of the the spirit and the philosophy of the conference so the whole title overall is women rising resilience resistance and radical connection and so the women rising is really as I said before the idea of using this day as a place to lift up women together and men and other people, however they identify, to come together and talk about leadership in a new way. And then those three components, resilience, is about um, how do we learn to build ourselves and each other up so that we can continue the hard work of leading, whatever that looks like, it's a it's a tough world out there we get run down Um, and when you are in a leadership position um, those can be tough you know you have to fight through a lot of challenges as a leader so having resilience as individuals and as leaders will mean that one we're caring for ourselves better and we are therefore better able to care for other people and lead other people Um, and we can we can work to consciously develop more resilience. There are practices that we can use, individual and communal practices. So we'll talk about some of those at the conference. So just for example, um, there are two breakout sessions that jump to mind immediately that are about resilience. One is about using mindfulness practices and those generally people think about those as individual practices but there are ways that those can be used in work teams and in families Um, and then there's another that's about how connecting with nature is actually a way to build resilience and therefore bring more to your leadership so those are just a couple examples of thinking about leadership in new ways Right. probably most past leadership conferences that you will look up don't really talk about communing with nature as a form of leadership development, but it absolutely is, and we'll talk about what that looks like. Um, the second, that concept of resistance, really has kind of a, a double-sided meaning. So the first is resistance in what many people think of as a more traditional kind of political way of thinking about resistance. And that is working to change systems that are unjust or that are not working. Um, and women you know, are, are highly engaged in political activism, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have a particular brand of politics on it. But the idea that we're working to change systems um, But then the interesting flip of that word of resistance is that a lot of times in our own leadership, and in our own lives, we can sometimes resist change. So while we talk about resistance externally working to to change unjust systems, we also then flip and think about how am i resisting my own growth how am i resisting my own change and how do i overcome that resistance how do i allow myself to kind of not hold myself back Um, and then the radical connection you heard a little bit about and that's really just about opening ourselves up to connect with people um, across difference and across experience so that we can be stronger together
0: and and you alluded to it a little bit there Um, Obviously, some of the changes and some of the things that were issues that we're talking about today are political. They are mm-hmm. um, systemic to a point of, of needing political will to change. Right. Um, and I, I, I have to ask, because one of my colleagues uh, here here at Finger Lakes One, Jackie Augustine, would would make sure that I ask you, how do we get more women, not just in, in uh, different forms of leadership, but actually in elected leadership roles more frequently especially in rural communities and communities that have been uh, male driven and communities that frankly are um, like many in the finger Lakes here uh, majority white and, Mm -hmm. and don't have that diversity attached to them that that creates a space for conversation around the idea
1: yes um well i certainly wouldn't say that i'm an expert in in this particular process but i do know that it's really important for us to create opportunities and specific systems to to support women who have an interest in going into, you know, elected office. I know that there are organizations that specifically really work on that. Um, the idea of raising women's voices in civic activities is is really important. Um, we have to support women who who run um so i won't go too far down the path but the moment we think someone is not electable because she's a woman um, we're hurting the cause of women in politics so we have to stop we have to really start thinking about our language and change our language in those kinds of ways um but really Women who enter politics, I think, need support early on because the system is not necessarily a system that currently supports that. So we really have to find ways to give additional support to women um, in leadership. And interestingly enough, um, the conference actually will will be talking about that. One of our main speakers, one of our main stage speakers, um, is a woman by the name of Melina Carnicelli. You probably know her of in course. this region. Um, former mayor of Auburn, organizer of the Women's March here in Seneca Falls, um, and I've met her by getting involved in that group a little bit. Um, but she has been involved with a group called Women Elect, which I can't really give you all of the details, but I would encourage people to find out more about that because that's really helping women get into office. And she's also founded something called First Amendment First Vote, which is a civic engagement organization to support um, high school age girls. So it's, it's really very similar to the idea that we hear about people have to see themselves in roles, that idea of representation. Um, And really start to break down those barriers that being in politics being a community leader in that way is absolutely something that women can and should do And and
0: sort of taking looking beyond the scope of this event by itself is also part of this um, broader proposition to uh, better educate and better inform and to to better shape uh, diverse leaders across the board at a young age, so that by the time they are entering adulthood and entering um, a community-wide impact zone, uh, that they are better poised to, to play a role in this conversation.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we have to model that. We have to model that and we have to work very purposely towards that. Um, because it is a process of making change. And demonstrating that leadership can happen in in all sorts of ways with all sorts of voices Um, so yeah I I think that we have we have to work very purposefully um, because it may not happen organically
0: Mm -hmm. (coughs) excuse me Um, when you look at November 1st and and you think about the the best case scenario in terms of impact Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of just reaching the widest audience you possibly can that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the the repercussions or reverberations from that day would you like to see in the months and weeks and, and potentially years following that, where, where more conversations and more events like this can, can happen here in the Finger Lakes?
1: Yeah, I love that question. Um, so a few kind of immediate responses is I hope that the the people who participate on that day leave feeling really kind of um, catalyzed to go out and do that thing that they had been thinking about and maybe holding themselves back from. Um, To really kind of take on that challenge or step into that leadership position that maybe they you know that they weren't ready to step into. So I hope on on a very one-to-one personal level it just activates people to become more active. Um, I know that it will help us develop connections. Uh, people who are there that day, there'll be some opportunities for, um, you know, obviously for networking and for sharing ideas, but, but hopefully we can bring people together to then um, start something together, follow up conversations. Um, our hope is that it will be so successful that everybody will just absolutely clamor for a second annual and a third annual and a fourth annual. Uh, so that's our expectation is that we will definitely do that. And then um, a- actually at the end of the day, one of the activities that we'll do is we'll actually kind of crowdsource from the people who participate what are the kinds of things that they feel they need in order to continue this work so that this group FLX Women and kind of the work that I do in in leadership development can really start to think about how do, how do we create some of those um, those opportunities that people need.
0: Kristen, thanks so much for coming in. You're going to be back in less than a month. That's a that's a sneak peek for everybody. Who's, okay, who's listening fabulous. Right now. You're going to be back in less than a month, and, and we're going to dig a little deeper into the the personal background and. and how you got to where you are today. Fantastic. um, Best of luck with this event coming up. It's Women Rising Resilience, Resistance, and Radical Connection. It's happening at the Woodcliffe Hotel and Spa in Fairport on Friday, November 1st. Where can people learn more about the event or just get some more information, get tickets, whatever they have to do to actually be there in Fairport on November 1st?
1: Yes, they can go to flxwomen.com, and there's all of the event information there. There's a bit bit more information about kind of flx women as an organization itself there's a blog which people can also submit to because it's a gathering place for voices of many women and you can subscribe and get updates awesome thank you so much thank you josh Hey, thanks
0: for listening to Inside the FLX. You can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Archived episodes are also available on the Fingerlakes1.com app for Android and iOS. If you enjoy the show, programming like this, or just enjoy reading Fingerlakes1.com each and every day, consider becoming a Patreon supporter for as little as dollar a month. You can help ensure that we're able to continue producing programming like this and keep doing what we do each and every day. Visit www.patreon.com/f01 to learn more.
1: One time